You're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. This episode's guest is Matt Stryker. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now here's your host, Mark Madison. It was recorded that earlier on, I guess, um, before wrestling, that you played a little bit of hockey and football. Any reason why that might not have been a choice of pursuits in those avenues as a career? Well, that's a great question. I don't normally get asked that. Um, I was on the, the trajectory, in my mind, go, go play in the NHL. I got as far as, you know, like Apple Corps and did some tournaments up in Medicine Hat and Sault Ste. Marie. But being a kid from New York, I mean, unless your last name is Mullen, it's hard to really, uh, you know, find too many opportunities. So I didn't have a lot of the same, I guess, facilities and practice and, I'll be honest, talent that some of these other kids had. So as we went to play these tournaments up in Canada, you know, I, I was uh, 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, and, and these kids were 16 and just flying past me. So, uh, you know, my, my father said, listen, you know, get your degree because if this, you know, dream doesn't happen, you never know. Little did I know that, you know, the divine winds would blow and the teaching degree would lead me to my ultimate dream, which was wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you follow pro hockey at all on your own? or? Oh, yeah, of course. I still play. I still play in the league uh, once a night on Thursdays. And uh, I'm an avid fantasy hockey player and, and very, very deep into the league. Love it. It's a great game. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm a... Being Canadian, it's almost inbred, right? So we sure. we're, we're kicked out of the country if we don't follow it. So, although being a Blackhawk fan, it's not necessarily something that goes over well here in Toronto. Um, no, no, but I will say this: I think between uh, my love of hockey and my love of Rush, uh, I'm an honorary Canadian. <laughs> I like to think I am. Fantastic. Um, now. Uh, as a teacher earlier on in your career, um, what parallels could you see between that and the career that was to come being uh, involved in pro wrestling? You know, I was talking to my friend Tommy Dreamer the other day, and I said that the worst thing I ever did for my pro wrestling fandom was become a pro wrestler. Uh, the politics. I, I, I had no idea that there were politics in teaching, but, but there are. And then there are politics in wrestling. But, um, you know, if you're a good teacher, you can close your door and teach to your kids and their grades will speak, you know, for your ability as a teacher and it'll, it'll transcend the politics. Sometimes that's not the case in pro wrestling, but if you just keep yeah, your tunnel vision, then your in-ring work or your on-the-mic work will speak and, and transcend all the politics. But that's the parallel that comes to mind immediately. Interesting. Okay. Um, discuss your training under Johnny Rods and what were you able to carry on with that throughout the balance of your career? Um, I always look back on this long, strange trip. And now, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You realize why you went through the things. But at the time, you don't understand. I walked into Johnny Rods and it was, it was still a closed brotherhood. They didn't just let anyone in. So for the first, gosh, I'll say three months, they literally beat me up. And I didn't know any better. Uh, my first month in, I had torn tendons in my right ankle. I had cracked ribs. I had busted noses, eyes. And then finally, after a while, they're like, all right, now we'll show you a trick or two. Or we'll let you in on a little secret here and there. So it was a great initiation because it prepared me for so many of the things that were to come. Um, I loved it. It was a labor of love. I was there when they opened and when uh, Luis the janitor was 
mopping up at night, shutting off the lights. He'd say, come on, time to go. So I was just, you know, enamored with the whole entire to-do. Um, something is that kind of struck with me just now. Um, I had a chat with Tommy, uh, Tommy, Dr. Tom Pritchard, um, some time ago, and he had mentioned that when he was training, it was somebody you knew that got you in and you mentioned the brotherhood. Did you find that there was something along those lines to, that took place? It was somebody you knew or a friend of a friend that, or was it, you know, just as a lot of schools seem to pop up where you can come in, pay your dues that's another, you know, again, great question, man. I mean, I do a ton of these interviews, and I have over the last, you know, however many years, so it, it's nice to hear these kind of questions, so kudos to you on that. Oh, thanks. Um, I, uh, hey, I didn't know you could become a wrestler. I thought you were just born a Harley race. Like, I had no idea that you could go and learn this, and uh, I was working out at a gym in Douglaston, New York, and I saw another guy wearing a wrestling t-shirt. And this is before, you know, pro wrestlingtees.com and everyone having a t-shirt. So, you know, you're drawn to, hey, wrestling? I like wrestling, too. And a few days later, that friend brought in a very crude printout. And the internet was in its infancy. And uh, third name down on the list of wrestling schools was Johnny Rod. I said, I know that name. Wow. I went and I remember I drove past it three times before I ever actually found the courage to go in. So, um, and then from there, you know, Again, they didn't just let anyone... I mean, yes, they did, but they didn't want to just pull the curtain back and expose everything that. So it, it was walking with, uh, you know, handling with kid gloves or walking with tender feet, but that's how I stumbled upon Johnny Rose. And again, I give credit to the divine win. Um, now, th- upon entering the WWE, there was a really short-lived feud uh, between yourself and Kurt Angle. It really kind of gave us... A real, a, a very slight snapshot into Matt Stryker, but was there more that was intended for that program, or was it more just this is his name, this is his face, you'll remember him? But there didn't seem like there was enough behind it. Was there more intended? Well, well, first and foremost, I always say this: um, there's a term in wrestling, he made him, hmm. meaning when a, a more experienced wrestler will go out and, and have really good matches with an inexperienced unknown that wrestler that makes the other. Kurt Angle made me, and to this day, I have so much uh, thanks and, and credit to give to Kurt, because the world would never have known my name had it not been for those series of matches. As far as intentions go, um, there's an old saying, you want your God last tell your plans, and that's why pencils have erasers. I don't know what their intentions were, but um, in the end, uh, I think they used that publicity to put me onto a... a, a you know, a character avenue, and I believe it was Eugene that went on to capture the gold medals, and in hindsight, that was the right move. So, I don't know what the intentions were, but I know that Kurt and I wrestled a lot uh, on non-televised events, and that really helped me just, just learn the craft. But as far as the uh, three matches we had on TV, I don't know if there was any intention to, to go anywhere further with or not. Okay, fair enough. Um, Knowing me, if there was, I probably said it did something that just shot that right down quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, WWE's venture into recreating the ECW brand um, that you were part of uh, wasn't ma- necessarily, um, I guess, if we're looking at social media, but uh, the some of the fandom um, would say that it wasn't the best of results, but... It, everybody takes it, walks away with a different perspective on their own when they're involved in it. Maybe describe your time and how you felt that was um, during that period of time and where you thought it was going to be headed. 
Well, I've always tried to walk that line of fan slash wrestler, and sometimes it's really hard. It is. Um, but uh, I was able to see that. I think that the thing is, is you know, again, hindsight twenty twenty. If you were looking for the old original ECW. WWE wasn't going to give you that. They gave you WWE CW. And if you're comparing it, then that this happens to oranges. The, the roster wasn't really the same, the venues, the feeling, the liberties that the guys were allowed to take. So on that note, I just think that you know, fans got into a, an uproar over, oh, this isn't the originals. You're right, it's not. And it's almost on you to realize it's something different. And then you're allowed to not. So that's that. As far as from a wrestler standpoint, all I did was see if this was opportunity. To me, Raw was a crowded, crowded room. And SmackDown was a little less crowded club, but you still couldn't get in. ECW was just this hole-in-the-wall bar down the street that anyone could go into. And whatever opportunity you could make from the 6 to 8 to 12 minutes of television time you're being given, you'd be silly to not take advantage of it. So I just saw it as opportunity. I saw the chance to, to wrestle guys like RPD, Sandman, Dreamer, and Dance Doring, and, and just learn and grow and, and you know, establish lifelong friendships, which I didn't know was going to happen. Now, upon you had gone over to Raw during the draft, and then you returned back to ECW, taking over for Taz um, as a commentator. Why the change from wrestler to commentator? Was there anything that led that? Taz was moving, not up. I mean, I don't like to say that one is above the other. Taz was moving on as well. And uh, there was an open chair there. And they had these production meetings before the start of television. And there's 800 things that, that Vince and everyone need to take care of. The last thing they get to worry about was who's going to do color commentary for ECW. And my friend, Joey Styles said, you know, Max Stryker talks a lot. And he seems to know a lot about wrestling. Let's try him. And Vince said, okay. And, and that's how that started. Uh, I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, if, if they couldn't find something else to do with me, you know, during that time, that's when guys get cut. So I'm real fortunate that that came along because that kept me at WWE for nearly a decade when a guy that's not even six feet tall, I mean, 210 pounds at most, and, and maybe a good talker at best, shouldn't have stuck around as long as I did. So the announcing was really, really, really a silver lining for me. That's how it came about, through Joey Styles. As a fan, I watched a clip of something, and I think you may have been alongside Jerry Lawler, and you called a move that Daniel Bryan has done. And you're chuckling because you know what I'm referring to, right? Exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, and, and, and did he publicly, what? What was that? Almost as if somebody was in his ear saying, no, that's, no, go with it, but... Um, uh, you know, I, I can never speak for what's in someone's mind. <laughs> Fair enough. I did know, and I, I did know that uh, a lot of times when I would say the moves, or some, the names of some of these moves that you know you and I and a lot of the hardcore fans recognize, uh, you know, the Coles and the Wallers of the world, that wasn't their realm. Uh, the WWE edict, as far as announcing goes, is to tell stories. They don't want to know that that's cattle mutilation. They want to know why it hurts and what Daniel Bryan, if he's at an angle with uh, Mark Henry, if he could get it on Mark. Vince likes the story. Mm-hmm. doesn't really want to know so much about the wrestling per se. Um, so when I came on and said, oh, cattle mutilation, or I'm into no more driver, or things like that, it was foreign to the gears of the Coles and the Wallers. So if Jerry was fed the reaction, I can't say. But um, I think that that's where that 
quizzical term comes from, from, from guys like that. Well, it, it looked, it seemed, or came across as very honest on his part because he may not have been prepared for it, whether it was fed that or not. And I think as a fan, just to hear the legitimacy of what the moves are called, it's also an education, right? So whether we want a story or we want to be informed, I think there's a fine line that as a fan, we should still be able to hear. While you and I and a, and a multitude of people, you know, agree, uh, in Vince McMahon's mind, during my time there, I, I can't speak for now, that's not what it was about. And if you wanted that, then that is why places like Ring of Honor and, and now like Lucha Underground and TNA, that's why they exist, because, yes, it's all wrestling, yes, it's all chicken breast, but it can be made a million different ways. So if you don't like what's being served at that restaurant, will come down the street and see if you like the way you know, we do it. So, I mean, I hear you and I understand, but at the same time, it's running the show. It's not us. So, if he wants the, the scene is moved to call the F2 and not the Death Valley Drive, okay, you know, got it, I get it, or whatever that is. Not the Death Valley Drive, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Spicoli Driver or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. NXT's earned a lot of praise over its development and growth in its characters. Now, during your time hosting the show, what could you have foreseen happening with the show? Um, What talent at that point stood out to you um, developing into what they've become today? Um, Or possibly that is even in in the promotion anymore. So those that might be there and moved up and those that might have been there and said, you know, there's something special, but they just weren't given the opportunity. I remember sitting in LaGuardia Airport, and the executive producer of WWE Television, who normally flies privately, uh, for some reason was flying commercially. I don't know if it was just to, you know, sit and talk to me, but he told me of this concept, and that it's been greenlit. It was, it was his brainchild, and to this day, you can say whatever you want about the executive producer of WWE Television. The man is a television genius. Every single cool vignette or video or entrance that you see and love, it comes from the mind of that man. So when he came to me and explained it to me, I thought it was awesome. So then we got a list of all these, uh, a lot of films that they were going to use and stuff. And I knew what these guys could do because I had wrestled with them down in Deep South and my trip to OVW. So when they brought up uh, a Wade Barrett or a Brodus Clay, I mean, I knew just right away these guys going to be great. I was wrong about a few guys, too. Um, well, what was his name? Not Eli Cottonwood. He looked like Bruce Pritchard. He was real tall. Jacob something. I thought that kid was going to be a star. Like, tall, blonde, good-looking. And, like, three weeks later, he was gone. But when they brought in uh, Brian Danielson, uh, Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. let's see what this guy can do. I would snicker in the corner because you have no idea what this guy can do. When they brought Loki in as Cabal, mm-hmm. they put him with Layla and Michelle. Again, it was like, 
I can't wait for some of my buddies to show you guys how good they are. I mean, I came up with guys like uh, American Dragon and Loki and stuff, so I, I was able to see who was going to be what, and also able to see who kind of wasn't going to make it. Um, the kid who's in the Ascension now, he's not a kid, uh, what do they call him, Connor O'Brien? There's Connor, yeah, and then there's Victor. I mean, he, he's, he's been in the system for years, and I, mean, I shouldn't say this, but I ever run into him somewhere, he might try to take a swing at me, but there was always something missing there. I always thought there was something missing, and he disappeared for a while. And now, you know, God bless him, I hope he makes a million dollars. He's got this, you know, this new Ascension thing going on. He's got a great partner with him. So hopefully that's what it'll take. But to answer your question as far as who I thought would have it, who I thought wouldn't, I was pretty on point with just the exception of a couple of those uh, people. Jacob, I'm not Jacob Goodnight. That was Kane's character. Something, ah, whatever, someone will know what I'm talking about. You know what? You could always tweet me the name if you want, and if it comes to you, I'll, I'll just plug it in here at some point. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, describe your time on the independent circuit, either commentating, uh, competing. What matches during that short time stood out um, from both perspectives? Before what, WWE or after? On, on your own, on the independent scene. Well, I, I have uh, two tenures on the independent scene. So, okay, sorry, let me rephrase that then. Um, post WWE. WWE, I was real intimidated to come back on the I'll admit that because I was so used to the WWE style, which is not the independent style. Right, wrong, or indifferent. It's not. So I was concerned that am I still going to be able to you know, do the things that these kids can do? Am I going to be able to go out and still get the same reactions? And I remember I was in WXW in Germany and I was partnering with my friend Trent Barrett, who's over in New Japan now. And Trent uh, was much younger than me in the business, but far more talented than I'll ever be. That to explain to me how it's kind of changed. And as we were planning our offense on our opponents, you know, some of my ideas, and more, give me more, give me more. And I'm from the West is more. Well, what do you mean? A hip toss, that was No, no, no. A hip toss, a leg drop, roll them into an arm ball. Okay, I'll do it your way. And uh, we went out and did it his way, and the people responded beautifully. So I kind of had to marry the now and the then, because mm-hmm. psychology will never change, emotional investment will never change, the art of selling and registering will never change, but just how to get the people to believe what you're doing, because they've seen everything. They've seen guys powerbomb through tables on fire and kick out on one. So, I mean, you have to make them believe that the small package at the end of the match so they can, you know, they can fight, so they can get emotionally invested. That was my, my biggest thing. So, there's a lot of great guys out there now, man, like Kurt Hawkins and, uh, you know, all these other guys that, that really are able to marry the two styles and make a nice little potpourri. It's easy. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.
During New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 9, uh, both yourself and Jim Ross were the English commentators during the event. Um, maybe you can explain the entire experience because listening to it, it, it just, it was so different from not having the experience. Like I've not really exposed to New Japan, just snippets here and there, unless I'm looking for a tape, unless I'm trying to search something online. But your experience, because it was a marriage of Ring of Honor appeared at the time and New Japan was a part of it. And there were names that were prominent that were formerly in the WWE. But also working with Jim Ross, how would, how did everything there come about? How did the experience go? And what on that night particularly stood out? Um, so I'll start at the beginning. Uh, the, the, the talks began between Jeff Jarrett, myself, and Scott Moore. And it was, I mean, I've watched guys be difficult. I've watched guys talk themselves out of a booking. And I always said to myself, I'm never going to be that way. My goal is going to be yes, no, okay. So when Jeff and Scott called me, uh, would you like to, before they could finish the sentence, yes, where do you need me to be, when do you need me to be there, I was on board immediately. Um, then when they said that it was uh, Jim Ross along with me, uh, Jim and I had worked together before in WWE, and it goes back to, again, I knew that there would be a clash there, because he has his style, and I, I see where the trajectory of the, the style is going. So I knew that that would be an interesting little dynamic there. Uh, when we got to Tokyo, uh, we sat very quickly with the people from New Japan, and their only direction to me was, we want people that have never seen this before. We need you to, to educate the new fan. So that's what I did. I, I went out and tried to. I went out and tried to explain this style and these wrestlers to the new fan. Um, and then social media just, or, or half of social media, just came out in droves with annoyance and utter hatred for me. But I always like to talk to those fans and say, I wasn't commentating to you on that night. I was commentating to the new fan. And sometimes it's a bad case come out that we want a 10-year-old kid to know who Nakamura is. But in this day and age, that's where the money is. And I was the same way. When I was a kid, when people started knowing who Hulk Hogan and the Mass Superstar was, I felt offended. Because in my own selfish narcissism, I thought, that's like mine. This is my little thing. You can't know who that is. <laughs> well, I understand the, the venom that came from the fans. But um, that was the objective, to, to educate the new fan, the first-time fan. And uh, there are points at that show, especially the last three matches, where um, JR was nice enough to kind of let me drive the, the ship. And for him to say, you know, get Go on out there. You know, that, that Paul Brown giving Tom Landry the, <laughs> if that's the lineage and how it goes there. Crucify me if I'm wrong there. But that was really nice that the great, the veteran, the Hall of Famer, the voice, Jim Ross, literally was just kind of with his hand. He said, go, go, do, do the thing. So during the Nakamura matches and the Okada matches, caught in the turn, I'm losing my shit because I'm dancing the fine line between fanboy and wrestler. And I, uh, I don't dance that line well. I think I'm always going to be a fan. As part of Lucha Underground now, as we move up a little bit, both yourself and Vampiro have completed your first season commentating the action. Um, what have you found to be the biggest difference um, between, com I guess we've kind of touched upon that, I guess, um, and who you're catering to with your crowd. But what stood out as far as in Lucha Underground, matches, uh, working environment? Um, was there anything uh, that really stands out head and shoulders? 
to you about Lucha Underground this past season? Uh, well, the first thing was that, you know, for me, it was so great just to sit back down, put on some headsets, and just watch wrestling. And not have to really, not that I didn't like being concerned with driving storylines. Uh, the main thing in Lucha Underground was that the storylines drove themselves. Um, all I was told to do was just talk about the wrestling. And I can do that. Um, you know, so, so that's the first thing that stood out. The second thing that stood out is that a lot of the guys at Lucha Underground are encouraged, are not afraid. Go out there and top the next guy. Go out there and make it hard, the main event, to get a reaction. And that's not the case a lot of times. And in WWE, the main event is very protected. And there are sometimes guys that are put in positions in matches that, that they're just not ready for. That, that they're, just, it's just, they're not right. They're still a little bit of a green banana. So the thing with each underground is that the guys that are put in their positions are very, 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 very well equipped to execute that position perfectly from the first match to the last match. So those are my main differences. Um, not really having too much head production in my ear, which I never minded, because to have Vince McMahon talk to you alone is a matter. But to have him trust you to get out his information, disseminate his story, push along his product, I mean, that, that, that's a real honor. So same thing here with the Underground, but all I really had to do was just call the wrestling, have a good time, and occasionally scream, oh, shit. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so now what do you foresee for yourself for Lucha Underground moving into 2016 and beyond? Well, another thing I really like about, and I still do about Lucha Underground, is um, meeting and working with some of the legends of different styles that don't normally get the credit they deserve. I was in uh, you know, a corporate environment for so long, and <clears throat> you know who the forefathers of that style are. And they get their respect. But for me, to go and work with a Conan, or to go and work with a Vampiro, or Chavo Guerrero, or Blue Demon, or Neil Neil Muertes, to me, that they also carry this air of, of legend, this air of, wow, you really, Conan really gives so much for Lucha Libre in, in, in the United States that he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Even if I never see him or ever talk to him, I'll still say this. You have, if, you, if you did Rey Mysterio, if you did the Lucha Dragons, if you did any of it, you kind of have to tip your cap to Conan, the fact that, it, that it's here in the state. As far as what I look forward to, I just look forward to more good wrestling. I look forward to seeing a lot of new guys. I just look forward to new, cool, hip. It's hard to do something new in our business, and Lucha Underground has found a way to do it. So I'm real fortunate to be a part of that. Super. Um, was there anything you want to share, encourage, promote, or make fans aware of? Um, I, I just think I'd be remiss if I didn't use the slight little public eye that I have to draw attention to things that are, that are important to me. I mean, everyone uses social media to just put themselves over, tell you what show they're going to be, and ask you to buy their T-shirt. I get that, but, I mean, there are, there are things that are near and dear to me. I mean, Autism Speaks, Special Olympics, Animal Rescue, things like that, that I think it's maybe, oh, Matt Schrenter, I know who that is. Oh, Animal Rescue, hmm, let me Google that. I've done my job. So, so those are the things.
things that I'd like to get out there. That and support independent wrestling, support WWE and NXT. And they really are the head of the snake, and they do drive the ship. And go out and use the Internet. The world is so small now. Just go on YouTube and type in World of Sport. Or type in All Japan from the early 80s. Or, or go look at Puerto Rico from, from you know, 10, 15 years ago. And stumble upon a wrestler you've never heard of before. And go into what I like to call YouTube holes, where at 11 o'clock you say, all right, I'll watch a half-hour of matches. Next thing you do, it's 3 in the morning, and you're watching Billy Robinson for the last four hours. <laughs> but th- that's cool if you really love wrestling. But kind of take it like a tree with branches. Don't, don't just go up the trunk of the tree. Kind of go out on a limb here and there and, and look at some different stuff and see what you like and what you don't like. And don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. Once again, please visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, or upcoming events in your area. And be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer.